Hello everyone, welcome back to the Corner 3 Show. This is the 16th Corner 3 Show ever. I'm Derek Reifer, I have RJ Garcia on the line. What's up, brother? You know, it was going to be the 23rd episode of the Corner 3 Show, but we ran into some production issues and we had to change our number back to number 16. Um, Yeah, for those who don't know, LeBron James was originally reported to be giving up his number 23 to Anthony Davis, but you know, there were some uh, production issues, whatever that, (laughs) whatever that means. And now- I guess the check didn't clear from, uh, from old, from uh, Disney or whatever, whoever's making Space Jam 2. And now he's still number 23, apparently, and Anthony Davis is really excited to be taking his high school number of three. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's always fun. It's always fun in Lakerland. But we're not talking about the Lakers on this podcast. The Lakers are irrelevant in the past week. What is relevant is the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder continue to wheel and deal their way through this offseason. They traded Paul George to the Clippers a few weeks ago, and now they traded Russell Westbrook to the Rockets to be reunited with his old teammate from way back in the day on Oklahoma City Thunder in James Harden. A questionable fit, but definitely has the star power. I know there are a few different ways to look at this in terms of the -the on-the-court product and off-the-court product for both of these teams. RJ, let's let's start with your take because I know you you have a take that hasn't really been discussed much yet that I've heard in the basketball Well. I, th- I think we should at least start with just uh, the basketball fit. And I think that um, for the basketball fit for this trade, the most important place to start is the team that seems to actually be trying to uh, win games for next year. And that is the Houston Rockets. Um, I think that for obviously, I think last year, Russell Westbrook had one of his worst seasons in the last four or five years, even though he had the triple double, his shooting splits were way down. He was shooting free throws at below 70%. A lot of his shooting numbers were essentially down. Um, I'm of the belief that those number rules will most likely regress upwards to next year. So, I mean, I think that he will be a slightly better player next year than he was the year year last year. But I think at the same time, I think when you're looking about this for the Houston Rockets, um, I don't really see the benefit for this specific team as I do for a lot of other teams um, in the league. Um, ben Taylor, um, he's he makes he's a uh, NBA Twitter guy. Makes a ton of phenomenal videos on YouTube. He has this great phrase and two like concepts as in a floor raiser and a ceiling raiser. And the concept being is that a floor raiser is some is a is a type of player that will move a team from thirty wins to forty wins or something along those lines. And a ceiling raiser is the type of player that moves moves the team from the chance of winning 55 games to 60 games or something along those lines. Or even more specifically, being a playoff succeeding team. I think Russell Westbrook is a floor raiser. I think he's one of the best floor raisers in the league. Um, You take a look at some of these teams, specifically his his, uh, MVP year teams that you would otherwise think that would not be able to be as successful as they were, still making the playoffs, still winning as many games as they did. He is a guy who racks up a ton of minutes. He's played over uh, 2,700 minutes in three of the last four seasons, and the the other one was last year, even when he played 2,600 minutes. He's a a reliable, does not get injured very often since that knee surgery, I believe in 2013, 2014. Um, he, He is about as reliable as it gets. However, for there's another player who's almost as reliable, and that would be one James Harden. 
who also is a minutes monster and also is extremely productive in the regular season. Um, for me, I don't see why the Houston Rockets really need a guy that is so regular season focused when they're clear and stated motive by both Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets, and Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, is to win a title, not to win 60 games or be the number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah, all all good points there, and I, I think he is definitely more of a floor raiser than a ceiling raiser, but I think that he does make the Rockets very incrementally better right now than Chris Paul. People may think that Chris Paul, and people may agree, I actually agree, that, that Chris Paul is probably a better fit with James Harden directly when he's on the floor. Uh, also, in terms of RPM, last season you mentioned it was a down year, for Russell Westbrook, he ranked 42nd overall in RPM in the NBA, and Chris Paul ranked 12th overall. So a better player per those minutes for RPM, but when you aggregate those RPM wins uh, based on the number of games, the number of minutes, Westbrook does pass Chris Paul. So uh, Westbrook played 73 games last season, Chris Paul only 58. I think that I agree with you that Westbrook will sort of come back to the mean and bounce back next season with a better performance. And I think that Chris Paul's trajectory is already uh, pretty much confirmed to be going down in terms of his injuries and just his, his limited mobility now on the court in his, he's 34 years old. So I think Westbrook will provide them value definitely during the regular season and probably during the playoffs, just because, you know, there's always a chance Paul is missing playoff games and I think over the course of this season, they can definitely rekindle, uh, they being Russell Westbrook and James Harden, rekindle some of that fit that they did have in Oklahoma City. And whether it's a fit on the court or not, uh, I think that Mike D'Antoni, as he always has, will stagger these minutes really strongly. And one of these guys will always be on the court. And the Rockets will be a pretty deadly team. I think it's, it's just an example of... Daryl Morey, as so many of these other Western Conference teams have, just really rolling the dice and going for it with the smelling the blood of the Warriors, so to speak, collapse. A lot of these Western Conference teams are going for it. Daryl Morey has always been one to take big risks, and he's taking a big risk here with this trade. We haven't actually discussed the parameters just yet, but he gave up two first-round picks and two first-round pick swaps. Um... So, I mean, they're, they're giving up a lot here. And those picks, and the first pick is in 2024, the first and that is one through four protected. Pick, yes. Right. The first first round pick, and the second pick is in 2026, and that is also one through four protected. And if, if somehow the Houston Rockets are in the top four, I believe that those turn into second round picks, which is important for the Rockets because that means that they cannot trade those second round picks. And I believe they, they only have like three or four total picks before the year. 2025 that they are able to trade at this point, which if you're a team that's trying to gun for the playoffs, trying to gun for a championship, um, it's it's very little draft capital in order to upgrade your team. It's going to be extremely, extremely at the margins upgrades from here on out for the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets are, are clearly doing this for now. They seem like they will be pretty screwed over <laughs> in about five years. James Harden and Russell Westbrook will be 35 and 36 when that first pick conveys and two years later, the next pick conveys. So yeah, I think Daryl Morey also knows that he may not actually be the general manager of the Houston Rockets when that happens. That's always another interesting little side note of, of GMs making big moves like this. 
But yeah, I think I think the Rockets get incrementally better for next season. Is it worth uh, how how tough it's going to be for them down the road? It will be if if they win a title this year, um, like 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 we saw last year with the Raptors. Now with Kawhi Leonard gone, uh, if they hadn't won that title, it might have been an interesting an interesting trade there for the Kawhi Leonard trade for the Raptors. But now it still looks like a huge win, even though. He only was a one-year rental, and Danny Green also was a one-year rental for the Raptors. So they pretty much lost all of that value coming into the next season. But they got that title, and, and that's what made the trade worth it. So what do you think are, are the Houston Rockets' prospects this year? So we've talked a little bit about what we think the Western Conference looks like in our previous episode. And the Rockets were actually the first pick of that draft taken by me. Um, so I, I thought they would be the first seed in the West this year. That was before they acquired Westbrook. Uh, I still think they will be the first seed in the West. I think they'll be even even better, as I mentioned, but incrementally better, maybe one or two more wins with the Westbrook acquisition. How do you think this changes the West come playoff time? So for, for my myself, um, I have a little, uh, I guess, spoiler of some sense. I've got some projected wins coming out that will be coming on to corner3.com. And I'm sorry, .net at some point. Um, in the near future, I don't know exactly when we'll be doing it because there's still so much player turnover. Might want to wait a little bit closer till the season. Um, I had the Rockets improving by .06 um, net rating in <laughs> with this trade increase. I believe it was an increase of wins by uh, like a half of a win. I believe that was what it was. So not really moving the dial. Um, when I project out the regular se- when the postseason minutes, I think they will get worse. Um, I think they will get worse even before factoring for the fact that this isn't a good fit. I truly believe that if with the way this league is moving in terms of being able to manage minutes, I think that this was a team that was going to manage minutes this year a lot more because of the way that it's such a follow the leader type league with the Raptors having such success limiting the minutes of one Kawhi Leonard. I think they were going to limit Chris Paul's minutes. I think they were going to limit James Harden's minutes. Um, in the regular season, I think they were going to be playing for the postseason. I thought those guys were going to be healthy. I thought those guys were going to be rested for this postseason. And I thought they would rank it up, ratchet it up, up to 40 minutes a game for those guys in the postseason. I didn't really – and I think that in my personal opinion was just that those guys were going to be good to go health-wise. Um, I don't think that playing James Harden and Russell Westbrook 40 minutes each in the postseason is as valuable even before dealing with any sort of spacing issues as Chris Paul and James Harden playing together to 40 minutes a game. Um, I think this is what's really weird about this Houston team is this, this sounds harsh. I think this is kind of the beginning of the end of the Daryl Morey era. I think he's probably got a year left, maybe two years left. I think he's out of there. I think this trade was completely done by Tillman Fertitta. And again, maybe, Maybe I'm being too too lenient to Maury, who I've who I've been very uh, positively viewed of. But at the end of the day, if this was Maury's idea, he's probably gonna get fired. I think that that's gonna be the way this trade ends. Um, I think this is gonna be a disaster. Frankly, I think this is a team that might lose in the first or second round of this Western Conference playoffs. Um, and if they do, I don't really know what they do from here. I don't think that these guys are going to enjoy playing together. And I know that they texted each other to set this up, but I just this it just doesn't really seem to make sense when it, you actually think about it. It's like one of these things where you and your buddies hanging out like the old days, drinking beers behind um, the middle school was fun at that time, and you have great memories and nostalgic memories. And then you get back and you're doing like 
wait a second, I've got all this money. Why am I still just doing this ridiculous thing? We could be doing something better, but the other guy doesn't have the money to do something better because for whatever reasons, and you just can't come to an agreement. I think that's going to be the same way with these guys where James Harden was a six man on the, on the uh, Thunder. Um, he is the now the an MVP candidate, and, and these guys are just not going to be able to play in my, together the same way that they think that they have in their crystallized, beautiful memories in, in going forward in this in this team. I like your I like your analogy there. I do think that it's kind of more of an interesting fit than some people may think. I think that Russell Westbrook is really reaching a crux in his career, a real crossroads not just because he's changed teams for the first time, but there was a very, very bad taste in the mouth of him and the rest of the the Oklahoma City Thunder after the way last season ended with that brutally disappointing first-round exit against the Portland Trailblazers. And Westbrook was pretty much hit with the majority of the malignment from the media and fans alike with his performance in that series and getting pretty much vastly outplayed by Damian Lillard. I think Westbrook realizes that he is kind of running out of time to get that ring and to and to really change the way he's viewed in the league. And I think that with, with this with this flip to the Houston Rockets and coming off that big disappointment and now back with his old buddy James Harden, I I think he's going to change his game a little bit this year. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be my prediction. Uh, I don't know if he's going to you know shoot forty percent from three or anything, but I think he'll improve his uh, I think he'll improve his spot up shooting. And I think he will probably change his defensive instincts. Well, not instincts, but his tendencies a little bit to fit more in with the system uh, in terms of helping them win. Uh, I, I, I think, I think uh, just one more quick point here. I think definitely when you mentioned spacing issues, when James Harden has the ball, there are definitely going to be some interesting spacing issues. I think one of the big changes in Russell Westbrook's game is he's going to have to really learn to move better without the ball. And I think that's definitely – something that can be taught and something that can easily be improved by a player from one season to the next. And I think that's the kind of thing where, you know, he's coming in to, to play with James Harden. I think he understands that he's going to be the second fiddle here and he's going to, to have to learn to optimize his game more to play off the ball. But when he has the ball, I think he's going to have better spacing than he's really seen in the past four or five years or more with Oklahoma City. Uh, playing, he, he, he spent multiple seasons playing next to combinations of Steven Adams and Ennis Cantor, uh, playing next to Andre Roberson at the three, playing next to Jeremy Grant. Uh, he really hasn't had the kind of spacing that he was going to have when he has a ball in his hands on this Rockets team next to James Harden, next to Eric Gordon, next to P.J. Tucker. Even Gerald Green uh, is a better shooter than he's played with recently. So I think it's kind of intriguing. I, I do agree that that the the improvement here is pretty incremental, pretty pretty lowly incremental. But I think they will become a better playoff team as these two guys begin to gel. And Westbrook is is three or four years younger than Chris Paul. I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, we're going to manage Chris Paul's minutes. He's going to be able to play 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. I just don't right. think that's necessarily a thing that you can really, really say with any, with any sort of certainty. So it's definitely a huge risk. I think that this is probably the year that the Rockets need to get it done. Uh, next year, it's going to be a lot tougher, as you say. And the year after that, it's pretty much bleak, in my opinion, especially with the, right. the Capella contract also on the books. So, yeah. I don't think the Capella contract's that bad. It, it's bad. not that bad. But it, like you mentioned, they, they won't really have much room to improve after this trade. So, uh, as right. these guys. So, like, so, so, I get what you're saying in terms of him like needing to get better off the ball. But here's the thing that I, I would go back to you with. I would say. 
obviously you would agree that Chris Paul is better than Russell Westbrook on off ball as it stands right now, right? Oh yeah. So, but here's the thing, man. They didn't use that. That's not, that's not how they played their offense. The Chris Paul's off ball was just the concept that he was able to hit an open three because he was standing still, as was Daniel House, as was Eric Gordon, as was everybody essentially except for maybe Capella if they're running a pick and roll, but probably not. He's probably sitting in a dunker spot too. The thing that the Russell Westbrook needs to be able to be ready for, and the thing that, it, and frankly, this has not been something that, has been easy for Chris Paul to, I mean, for James Harden's uh, people to play with him for. It's just that he needs to be ready to just be standing there without the ball, just standing there. And I don't think he is. <laughs> like, I just think that's sort of a mindset where, okay, let's go get end of the game, end of the game. Oh, I've been so used to being Mr. Clutch. Oh, actually, no, I'm just going to stand here and let James Harden take 20 seconds and, and shoot some sort of a nice out. And, and I say that as somebody who understands that those shots are very valuable and that James Harden is extremely good at those shots. And those are the type of shots that they should be running. At the same time, if you're a guy like Russell Westbrook and the way that he's been thinking, like, do you really see him being able to just mentally step back like that? Well, I, I kind of disagree with what you think he needs to do. I mean, I think he'll have no issues standing there without the ball. It's pretty much what he's done in Oklahoma City and to the detriment of the offense because his spot-up shooting has been so bad that that teams have been able to help off him to an insane degree. I think he needs to definitely improve that spot-up shooting. I think he will. I would I would bet I would bet that he improves that three-point shooting number this season, uh, whether it's just because he needs to to be a better fit with this offense or it was a big, uh, a big thing that he really needed to improve after last season, a big thing that he was being – uh, talked about for being a bad shooter in the playoffs and, and being a real real minus there. Um, but I think one thing we haven't mentioned here, one aspect of this trade, and I've been I've been pretty positive toward the Rockets in, in this in this discussion just because I, I feel like there there are positive aspects to this. I don't think it necessarily is a trade that I would have done in a vacuum considering the, the deal what they gave up. But I think there are positive aspects to this. And one of them is the past few seasons uh, everyone's been saying that James Harden in the playoffs just gets tired. I mean, it's been a it's been a storyline over and over and over again that this high usage in the regular season, all these games, all these forty minutes a game, having the ball in his hands every single time, and he just wears down. And and when the playoffs come, he just doesn't have enough in the tank. We kind of saw him fall off a little bit again this year. Uh, this could be a way for the Rockets to still win those fifty fifty five games. And sort of have James Harden be more of an off-ball player this year. Have him stand in the corner. Have him stand on the wing while Russell Westbrook does some stuff. And when he does have the ball, he can go all out. And maybe a lot of those minutes were with Russell Westbrook on the bench. I think uh, Mike D'Antoni is a good enough coach to sort of optimize this to the best way he can. Obviously, it, it's not an ideal fit. but In a contract are, year. In a contract year of all things for him. Right. He's got to figure this out or he's going to be fired. Amazing. Just Phenomenal people skills from Mr. Tillman Fertitta, of course. Well, yeah, I think you are. It's funny that you're putting it all on Fertitta, but it's definitely no, I, you're right. I, I should, I, I should, it's it's Maury. It's Maury as well. I think, you're right. I think that D'Antoni was a part of this decision. I think you definitely consult uh, Mike D'Antoni before making this decision, and I think that he has some sort of plan. Will it work? Will it be? Will it be really the optimal thing to do? No, but I think there are ways that they can make this look better than people are thinking it will. And there are ways that they can use this to their advantage. And look, I, I said it before. I said it uh, on last episode. I think the Rockets are the favorites to come in first in the Western Conference in regular season. I still think they are. I don't know if they're necessarily the playoff favorites, 
But you know, with those with those injury concerns to some of those three three of the best play, players in the West, depending on how you want to look at it, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and LeBron James. With those injury concerns, I think there's a there's a very good chance that the Rockets end up pretty far in the West this year, if not coming out of it. So I think it's interesting what you're talking about about taking like that using the playoffs as a comparison for them. I mean. I mean, if they're letting Russ take the amount of shots that anywhere close to the amount of shots that he took with OKC last year, they're if if they if they do in that same sort of way, right? Even if he's taking twenty shots a game, right? He's they're they're risk they're risk for around one bounce, in my opinion, because you if you're going to be taking away shots from James Harden in this sort of way that you're talking about him breaking down, I understand that was kind of something that people were saying. I don't know how true that is. I mean. This second-to-last game of the year, he was 10 of 16 for 31 points against Golden State. They happened to lose that game by five, but nonetheless, that was not a James Harden failure. Um, if it ends up being a situation where he's the one that's taking these shots, I mean, he has been proven over the last couple of playoffs to be failing in terms of his success rate and his efficiency, yep. especially considering the usage that he's able to shoot in terms of Russell Westbrook. I mean, that is just – and if you're going to get all of the negative of James Harden on defense – and then also not be able to mar- like create as big of a margin on offense as possible. Then that he become he goes from an MVP caliber player to like a top fifteen caliber player, which is just a massive, massive difference. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I think we we are harping on this a little bit, but I think my final yeah probably are You're my, probably my right. final statement would be uh, <laughs> it could be that just like like I said with with LeBron and Wade on the Heat, like we said with Steph and KD on the Warriors. Each player might not necessarily be their best version of themselves when they're on the court with these guys, but the team still might be harder to defend. And Westbrook gives you a lot of things that Paul doesn't. Rebounding, size, a lot of things uh, attacking the rim. He, he doesn't turn the ball over as much for how well he creates assists. So, I mean, there are, there's a lot, th- a lot of things that he does, and I'm interested, I think, as everyone else is, to see what the Rockets do. But let's talk about this a little bit from the Thunder perspective. So, Obviously, once they moved on from Paul George and this Westbrook contract was pretty big, I think a lot of people, myself included, assumed that Westbrook would be moved. And they have taken, they have gotten a lot of first round picks in this offseason. Eight, if I'm not mistaken, is the total number. Uh, first rounders, that, that is in addition to their own first rounders, which they have going forward. Uh, they also have some talent still left on this team, as we talked about a little bit last week with Daniil Gallinari. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander was acquired in the Paul George trade. He is a young piece that could definitely be a future all-star. They still have Stephen Adams on this team. Uh, what do you think? I know this is the interesting take that I actually referred to at the very beginning of the show that we haven't actually gotten to yet. I know you have an interesting take on the Thunder here. Uh, what's your what's your main viewpoints here? I know there's an on-the-court and off-the-court way of looking at this. So I think that... For this Thunder team, I think it's 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 very sad, and I think honestly, also for the, for the Houston Rockets, very sad in so much that I think this is a pretty massive mistake by the Thunder to make this deal. Um, I think it is undoubtedly the end of the era. I think there's no no way around that. This is the end of their Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant era. They will get no championships out of it. They will get one final berth out of it, and also they are going to be. If they are going down the route that it appears to be in the full rebuild, they're going to be very bad. Um, and I, I get that there is a, a, a lot of outs in terms of these first-round picks that will be coming 
somewhere between now and 2028 or whatever it might be. (laughs) Um, I just think at the end of the day, you had a guy, a lot of people talk about superstars not leaving, superstars leaving hometowns, superstars leave, I mean, Paul George leaving Indiana, Uh, Paul George leaving OKC. Um, Guys not staying around. And I think that right here, the Oklahoma City Thunder had a chance to make the playoffs for the foreseeable future alongside their Cal Ripken of, of essentially of the NBA in Russell Westbrook and be able to have somebody that, Hey, this is our guy. When he goes into the hall of fame, this is our guy. This is not, this is not Houston's guy. This is not somebody else's guy. He's not going to win a title somewhere else. He's not going to do anything somewhere else. He's going to do it here. He's going to finish his career here. And I think that for a fan, I think for myself, I think as a, as a caps fan, one of the, the few kind of, um, teams outside of the NBA that I kind of follow a fair amount. Um, having a guy like Alexander Ovechkin, even when he wasn't winning titles, it was still really valuable because you just had so many people that came there to see Alex Ovechkin 41 nights a year or watch on TV all 82 nights a year. And they knew they were getting Alex Ovechkin. They knew they were getting the slap shots. They knew they were getting everything else. And when he signed to whatever, a 13-year contract or whatever it was, you just knew that he was going to be a capital until the Joe Montana on the Kansas City Chiefs years. And now you've got a guy, and, and you flipped Russell Westbrook to one of your main rivals, and you have to go answer to your fans when in years coming fu- future, when those picks turn out to be, I mean, even if it's like a rotation player, which is not like a terrible outcome for those picks. Wow, you traded Russell Westbrook. You made us watch Russell Westbrook on the on the Houston Rockets, and all we got back was a 3 and D wing. Is that really what it was? All we got back was... Shai Gilgas Alexander, who I happen to like a lot. And obviously that was in the Paul George trade. But I just think that this is a team that is likely never going to see a player like Russell Westbrook walk through their doors for the next 15 years. That's kind of the way that the NBA works. Uh, And if it was me, I would have allowed those fans to run out every single minute of Russell Westbrook's time and enjoyed his entire career and give him a swan song and essentially would have been the Dwayne Wade treatment, very similar, probably even stronger. Because this is really all that community has. And if you live in Oklahoma City, I don't know if you're listening here, but obviously you know uh, not a lot to do outside of the Thunder. And uh, now they've got nothing to do, really. Yeah, it's definitely sad for from the perspective of the fans. Just If you're if you're like a 13-year-old Thunder fan, you, you grew up with Russell Westbrook. And when when Harden was traded, he was there. When, when Durant snaked his way, to Golden State and basically became public enemy number one in Oklahoma. Russell Westbrook was their guy, and he was the guy. He hated Kevin Durant. He then he signed this big extension. Uh, it's definitely very very sad for the Thunder. But in terms of if you're really looking for a championship, and that's pretty much what NBA front offices seem to be in tune to these days with the way teams like to tear it down or or build it up if they're close, or build it up if they're close and tear it down if they're basically anywhere else. The Thunder were kind of tired of being that 45-win team, it seems like. It's something that they had been doing the past few years. So, I mean, yeah, I see how I see how it's sad, but I think that this is going to end up being a good deal for the Thunder. I think that Russell Westbrook will not retire. Well, he still could retire a Thunder, but yes, he will not play the entirety of his career with Oklahoma City. Yes, that is a sad thing. But hey, I think when it comes down to it, the guy's going to be rep- uh, re- uh, remembered as a member of the Thunder. He won an MVP wearing a Thunder uniform. His best years will undoubtedly have been with the Thunder. In all likelihood, his only finals berth will have been with the Thunder. 
So he's going to be remembered as a member of the Thunder no matter what, I think. And the Thunder get these get these picks out of this out of this deal, and they're still going to be pretty competitive if they stick it. To, I mean, we've talked, we've sang Chris Paul's praises a little bit already on this episode. They, they yeah, have but Chris, they already say they they they're, get, they're getting rid of him. That's what they say. They say they're getting rid of him. Uh, he's not going to play. As Royce Young says that he doesn't expect him to play a minute um, as a member of the Thunder. They're probably going to trade him to Miami. Is my guess. Um, they'll be a fine team next year. They'll probably win thirty-five games, in my opinion, but or forty games or whatever it might be. They're not going to be horrible, but at the same time, um, it doesn't seem like they have any intention of winning next year. And you have to imagine Stephen Adams might be next. Yeah, um, Stephen Adams also. <laughs> I mean, they, they have a lot of very good players on this team, but it kind of comes back to their so their wins the past few years since Kevin Durant left. Forty-seven in 2016-17. That was when Russell Westbrook won that MVP. Uh, Forty-eight wins in 17-18 with Paul George the first year. Forty-nine wins last year with Paul George having that borderline MVP candidate candidate season, still weren't able to crack that 50-win mark, still weren't able to get past the first round of the playoffs. So I think they kind of made a decision that it was time to tear it down, and the writing was on the wall once Paul George was gone. Uh, yes, there are a lot of off-the-court uh, sort of ways of looking at this, uh, the emotional attachment that is really sad here, but I think they're going to be better off when this trade is done. And 10 years from now, the Thunder are, are going to look back at this trade as a real turning point for their franchise. I, but I think that one other thing that has to be included here is just the concept that the way the, the rebuilding path in the NBA has been significantly changed with this tanking reform. And I think you can take a look at a team like Cle- the Cleveland Cavaliers, where they've been terrible the last two years. They're probably going to be terrible next year. Um, all they have for it as of right now in terms of draft picks is Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. That's what they got. Um, neither of those guys, in my opinion, are surefire going to be top 15 players at their position. And if you're doing all this tanking, all this losing, and all you're getting out of it are guys like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, at some point you have to take a step back and say, what are we doing here? Like, w- what is the path? And, and again, this year, let's say the Cavs are the absolute worst team in the league. They'll have a nice 14% chance to get them one pick. It's, I mean, it's, it's very low, especially when you consider that teams can be as low as six and have roughly a 9% chance. It, it's just they've really changed the math on this, especially if you when you have a guy that's a superstar and that provides value outside of being the 35th, like being a 35-win team. It's the path to build through the draft, the path to build in this way is, is significantly harder than it has been in years past. Yeah, I see. I definitely see your point, but I think it's a little bit disingenuous only because – they're not really tanking. I mean, as of yet, they're not really tanking for next year. But what they are doing is accumulating picks. And I think that you actually add – your point actually kind of adds to what Sam Presti is doing in the sense that they're just getting a lot of swings. They're getting a lot of dart throws. And they're accumulating all of these draft picks. And now we know. Look, it's going to be a lot harder to get that number one pick. Now we know. Hey, you have a, not as big a chance as you think to get a superstar in that lottery. But, you know, it doesn't improve your chances of getting a superstar, not necessarily tanking, but getting a whole lot of picks. And that's what the Thunder have right, right now right. is a whole lot of picks. And, and they're still going to probably get more uh, with, when they when they deal with the rest of these guys. So they're going to have a lot of swings. They're going to have a lot of bites at the apple. And they are going to get a superstar. And I, I think I'll let you finish off this point because we're going a little far. But uh, I think right, it does right. go without saying, but I do want to mention it. So I guess it doesn't go without saying. The Thunder have been pretty lucky. Uh, when it comes to those lottery picks, 
They probably yeah. had three of the best consecutive lottery picks in the history of any sport, I think I would probably say. In Kevin Durant, then that was technically the Supersonics, but Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and then James Harden. So uh, this team knows what it's like to pick high in the lottery. And they haven't done it for a while since they got these stars. But, hey, who knows? Sam Presti was, was in the front office back then too. And I'll let you finish this point. And, and like it- – yeah, just and just to finish out, I mean, I I am nobody that says I, I very much value the accumulation of draft picks. I think the Paul George trade was a no brainer. I think that was a great trade. I think that was a win for the Thunder. Um, and I and my favorite my favorite GM this again he's a very controversial figure, but my favorite GM is Sam Hinkie. And I think that what he has done and what he did was a was a phenomenal use of the accumulating draft picks. The way that you're talking about accumulating assets. Um, I just think that the difference between Sam Hinkie and his path and what the Thunder have is that Drew Holiday is not Russell Westbrook. Um, Andrew Bynum wasn't Russell Westbrook. That team, when he got them, was just – it didn't have that same sort of a franchise cornerstone star. Like, could you, could you imagine it, – it, in my opinion, it's along the lines of, like, they got rid of – it's getting rid of AI or a player of that sort of nature where – not only is he beloved by the local community, but he's also a Hall of Fame level player and kind of kicking them to the curb. I just think it's a little bit of a different calculus than the typical accumulation of assets. And I just think that I think that the Thunders are going to the Thunder will regret this. I think the fans will regret this. Um, but I'll tell you who won't regret this is Sam Presti, who has sneakily given himself till 2026 of uh, job security because of all those picks he's accumulated up there. Yeah, uh, I think one name that, that I would just mention in, in the Sam Hinkie discussion would be Andre Guadalla, who maybe not the caliber player Russell Westbrook is, but definitely a multi, multiple-time All-Star that, that started his career in Philadelphia and was traded. So uh, it, did get, it did get kind of close to, to the kind of guy that they could have had under, the, under their ceiling in Philadelphia. But let's move on to our fantasy draft. And we have a very interesting concept this week where – kind of to celebrate the end of this Oklahoma City era. And it's really funny. The Oklahoma City fans have have really been treated in that ever since this team came to Oklahoma, they've been really good. Obviously, that first season in Oklahoma City, they won just 23 games under P.J. Carlissimo. But ever since then, they didn't win fewer than 45 games once. Uh, So they've had a pretty good run here, and they've had some really good players come in the building and now pretty much all out of the building. So we wanted to draft – our best Oklahoma City Thunder players. So the way this is going to work is we're going to pick starting fives and we're going to pick players based on their careers in Oklahoma City. So uh, obviously uh, this isn't really a big spoiler. Kevin Durant will be picked in this draft. You're not picking Kevin Durant based on any of his Golden State years. You're not picking Kevin Durant even off of his Seattle Supersonics year. Uh, You're just taking what they were on the Thunder, whether it was one year, whether it was two years, whether it was seven. Sort of think of your your personal air, your thoughts of what they were in a Thunder uniform, and that's what you're you're drafting here. Anything I leave out there, RJ? No, you got it. I mean, Durant's got just as many titles now as he did when he uh, left the Thunder in my personal record book. That's uh, (laughs) what I would say. Yeah, uh, it's funny. It was great that this year we had an NBA champion after no champion the previous two seasons. So it was really, it was really good for the fans. But before we start this draft, let's, as always, go through uh, and look at what we had last week. So our 15th draft was the Western Conference teams, and we had a fun one here. We each chose five teams, and it was actually my group of teams that got me back on top. 
the Rockets, Clippers, Warriors, Spurs, and Blazers, 63% of voters. But this is one of those drafts where it's not really what the voters think that matters. No offense, award-winning voters. But we're going to tally this up at the end of the season and see whether RJ or myself did better. So as I had the they both matter. They both matters. Both matters. As I as I had the first pick in that draft, RJ, you have the first pick here, and it's a pretty obvious selection in my opinion. But let's let's get it started. Yeah, this is pretty easy. I'm going to take Kevin Durant, um, as he likes to be called the servant. <laughs> um, he is going to be serving my team. <laughs> Easily bottom five uh, nickname in NBA history. <laughs> Well, it's funny because he named it himself. Like, who gives themselves a nickname? Anyways, point being, um, Durant uh, obviously had an amazing time as a Thunder. If it didn't end on such horrible circumstances, uh, they may have already retired his number. But obviously, that's not. RJ, he could he couldn't, now, he couldn't play with those cats, and he didn't like playing with with Billy Donovan. It was basically just him and Russ. <laughs> Anyways, anyways, moving on. I mean, disrespect to to uh, high drafty in this draft, Stephen Adams. But um, uh, yeah, so I've got Kevin. I think it's pretty easy, and I'll, I'll let you move on after this. So I have a bit of a dilemma here in this draft because there's a lot of different ways of thinking about this. Like like we said, it's kind of what these players were in a Thunder uniform. So. Uh, I think the first pick is pretty obvious here. I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook. Uh, I think Westbrook, as you as you mentioned in your little rant before, is probably going to go down as the, probably in terms of the fans, the way they think of it, as the greatest player in Thunder history or the most loved player in Thunder history. Uh, probably the second best player in Thunder history at this point after Kevin Durant. So, I mean, Westbrook, like, like we said, he, he didn't have too much playoff success once Durant left, but he put up the numbers he won an MVP. He's averaged a triple-double the past three seasons. How much stock do you put in that? Who knows? But uh, in terms of who's available on this list, I think he's a no-brainer. And then with my next pick, it, it basically is between um, James Harden's first three seasons on the Thunder and Paul George's last two seasons. Uh, I think while James Harden did have a really, really commendable first three years on the Thunder, he won that sixth man of the year. Uh, his third season, he shot 49% from the field, almost 17 points per game off the bench. I mean, he was he was pretty awesome, but he wasn't at that level in his first two years. But he really didn't make that jump until he went to Houston. I mean, he's been an all-star every single year in a Rockets uniform the past seven years in a row now. He was never an all-star for OKC. Um, I think Paul George in these past two seasons has given the Thunder – uh, more valued to make you think that he's really a better player. He was an all-star in both of his Oklahoma City seasons. 28 per game this past year. He was an MVP candidate. So this is a tough decision here. Uh, but in terms of if we're just going uh, in a Thunder uniform, I got to take Paul George. I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts on what your thoughts on this pick were and what you would have done in my in my shoes. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty shocked that Paul George didn't go too. Uh, I think that was the easy pick in my opinion. I thought that you're going to have a hard time choosing between Westbrook and Harden at between three and four. I mean, these two last two years for Paul George, outside of playing out insane defense, um, he's been a pretty high usage player and extremely efficient in the 90th percentile for points uh, per shot attempt per corner, uh, cleaning the glass last year on um, 97th percent usage rate uh, percentile usage rate. Uh, I thought that was pretty easy. Um, I And I think one thing that I would say about Harden, and I think that Dan, uh, Darren Moore would tell you the same thing, is that 
when he was there in Houston, obviously the usage numbers were lower, but the point, the, the efficiency numbers or, were still in, there. In Oklahoma City. I'm sorry, you're right, in Oklahoma City. In Oklahoma City, his efficiency numbers were off the chart. Really, only, last that, year. really, only, that, really only that last year, though, that sixth man of the That's year. That's not true. Um, That's not true. His, his previous two years, he was 20 and 21 years old. He shot 43% from the field his second year, second year 40% from the field. 100, 100. Though he did yeah, shoot sure, pretty but... well from three and from the line. So, yes, he was an efficient player, but he also was playing against – uh, bench players in, in those games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a little bit overstated. Um, and I would also say, just to turn this into, obviously points per shot attempt can be something that's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. Just to turn it into something that's a little bit more commonly used, um, 59.8% trooper shooting percentage his second year in OKC. His last year in OKC, it was 66% trooper shooting percentage, which is out of this world good. Um, Russell Westbrook, I believe, has never even approached a 60% uh, true shooting percentage year. And obviously, sure, that's on industrial usage. And obviously, like, I'm not, I, mean, I think, I think Russell Westbrook is a fine pick there. I get that. And just, and just to kind of clear, finish the gap, his highest true shooting percentage year was 55.4%, a massively below, uh, uh, James Harden. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm going to happily take James Harden here. So funnily now, enough, I, I think. Play- I think to, to lend some credence to your argument here, uh, I just ran the numbers or ran the numbers. I, I looked it up, and that was actually the highest true shooting percentage of James Harden's career was that 66% right. in that six-man of the year, which makes sense. I mean, you're yeah. playing with two other stars coming off the bench, but still uh, pretty interesting. Definitely a pretty low I mean, 66% is insane. I mean, yeah, it's a, insane. A, a low usage compared to what he's had in Houston and yeah. a pretty good situation for him there. But, yeah, he, he had great years in uh, in Oklahoma, but I think that – that Westbrook getting that MVP and uh, look, Hey, it's, it's fair to disagree on this and, and you got a, a great course, duo here. Course. So let's move forward. Uh, yeah. So I'm taking Serge Ibaka next. I think this one's pretty obvious as well. He was the guy that reportedly they chose over James Harden. I don't know if that's exactly how it truly went down or whatever it might be, but that's, he was still very good at that time. He was an elite defensive player at the center position or at the powerful position, kind of wherever you want to put him. Um, and this is definitely a guy that was able to both play at a, an above average level on both offense and defense. I'm happily taking Serge here. Yeah, Serge was pretty good in the Thunder uniform. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And look, I, I was considering taking him there. Um, I, I don't know if I necessarily would have, but the guy I'm going to take is someone who maybe might not be thought of or might not be in, in people other people's minds as – a good player for the Thunder just because kind of similar to James Harden, he kind of jumped onto the scene after he left. But Victor Oladipo had a very, very under-the-radar year when he was playing in Oklahoma City. I think that he only really got marginally better with Indiana in 2017-18, but he just had the ball in his hands a whole lot more. Uh, he did he did get more efficient, but not a whole lot more efficient. And his defense is something that's always been there. His playmaking is something that's always been there. So I think Victor Oladipo is an under-the-radar guy that Oklahoma City obviously ended up turning into Paul George um, with with uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, let's not forget him, but I think Oladipo is an interesting pick here and someone that I kind of had on my radar and, and wanted to grab in this situation. And then I'm going to take the guy that I think I might have grabbed over Serge Ibaka, but it, it's very close and I'm not going to fault you for Ibaka, and that's Steven Adams who I think is also a very good offensive player and uh, an excellent defensive player, probably a better defensive player than Ibaka, at least in my opinion. 
Uh, and I think we're actually going to see this year if he remains a member of the Thunder. And then we're going to see him put up some monster numbers not playing next to the rebound-stealing prowess of Russell Westbrook. I think uh, Stephen Adams is one of the best box-out guys in the league. He's an excellent rim protector. He's an absolute beast rolling to the rim, setting screens. He basically does everything you would want a team first center to do. And pretty much him and Ibaka were the only guys that you could really think about uh, with respect to Nick Collison. We're the only guys you could really think about as being a real impact center or, or big for this team. So I had to, I couldn't take the risk of you grabbing him off the board. I'm taking Steven Adams. Kind of surprised you saw Victor Oladipo. I mean, obviously, I guess that's I thought I you would that, be, but I, I, I wanted to, yeah. to to go get him because I do view him as a better player than some of the other twos that they've had over the past few years. No, and I would agree with that. I think on the whole, I think that's definitely true. I just think that you're kind of overstating um, his level of success at at the at OKC compared to Indiana. Um, there were some pretty massive jumps in field goal percentage, pretty massive jumps in just t- kind of taking better shots. His true shooting percentage went from 53.4% to 57.7% on, on a much higher usage. I think you're just like a little bit overstating that. That's all I would say. Um, like obviously he was a little pretty good player for OKC, but I think ob- in that the sh- level of shock in the trade wouldn't have existed if he was kind of as you stated only slightly better um, on Indiana. But moving on, regard kind of regardless, um, I'm taking kind of a, a throwback guy, a guy that um, I'm sure Thunder fans is is, is in their hearts. Um, it's Tabo Cephalosha. Uh, I'm looking at, obviously with this team, we've got Kevin Durant, James Harden, two offensive superstars already. Just looking to get a little bit more defense, a little bit more um, heart, maybe. I guess maybe that's not the perfect term, but I think he's a good chemistry guy, Tabo. Um, just hitting that three and Ds, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Uh, and then lastly, this one's kind of tough because you can go in so many different directions with a team like this. Uh, but I'm choosing to build a pretty long I think in honor of, of the Thunder, who have largely been a long team uh, filled with wings that can't shoot and wings that uh, just can play good defense, I'm going to take the uh, the, <laughs> the blueprint here, and that's Jeremy Grant, who has just been traded away as wow. well. Uh, I think he's a great defender. I think he's versatile. I think he can shoot a little bit more than some of the other wings. Um, and I think that... When you've got a squad of this caliber, you can kind of switch a lot of these positions, and I think it really fits together as a fifth player. Wow. Uh, I'm <laughs> You actually threw a real curveball here, and I wonder if the listeners felt the same way, but you basically described all those all those great qualities and saying this is the poster boy, and then the words Andre Roberson didn't come out of your mouth. I was just, <laughs> I was just absolutely – Absolutely shocked about that because I think Andre Roberson definitely is the poster child for great perimeter and interior defense and basically complete incompetence offensively. Um, I mean, look, let's let, being respectful though. The guy is one of one of the best perimeter defenders in all of basketball, and I think that's what I'm taking into account when I make this next pick. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Andre Roberson. I, I think that I'm I'm glad you left him for me. I, I was considering. I think if you had taken him off the board, I wouldn't have taken Jeremy Grant. I probably would have taken either Jeff Green or Kevin Martin, who uh, obviously was infamously acquired for James Harden, along with Stephen Adams, actually, the pick that became Stephen Adams. But Andre Roberson, you already described him to a T, so I don't really have to go too deep. But I think he can slot in at the four on this team, and we can do a lot of switching with him and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. 
Uh, Oladipo and Adams, I think, uh, depending on how you really view Russell Westbrook as a defender, I think all of these guys are going to be plus defenders to plus plus defenders, depending on how you view Westbrook. Again, obviously he's a bit of a gambler, but uh, he he's not a terrible defensive player. Uh, I think we're going to lock up on this team, and we're going to have plenty of offense as well. So really interested to see what the fans think. So your team, I guess it would be Harden at the point, Cephalosha at yep. the two, Durant at the three, Grant at the four, Ibaka at the five. My team will be Russell Westbrook at the one, Oladipo, Paul George, Andre Roberson, and Steven Adams. So as always, those are going to go up into the Twitter sphere and see what the fans <laughs> think at Corner 3 Sports. Um, but RJ, any final thoughts on this draft or, or on this on this podcast in general before we sign off? I mean, I think it's a real testament to this to the legacy of this team that they were able to put out two very solid starting lineups of the players that have played there and have not been in existence for this long. Um, I hope that for this team, there are reports, there are portions of the Oklahoma City Thunder are um, up for sale. Um, my deepest fear is that this loss of Russell Westbrook leads this team to no longer exist in Oklahoma City. Um, uh-huh. I hope that that's. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But um, after just that's 10 what I years, think that, if if that's true, it'll be it'll have been a great run. Although they did not get a championship, uh, I think it was. Yes, I, I agree with you. There. Teams would turn down the opportunity to do what Oklahoma City did these past ten years. So. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Hats off to them, their front office, and obviously the players in the building for getting that together. Um, but until next time, RJ, thanks a lot for coming on, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. This is great. Peace, See you later, man. man.